0: Totalitarianism is not a thing of the past. It is alive and well. Individual responsibility is dying, and our love for our fellow man is dying. Herd mentality is helping to kill it. If you look at things like Antifa, As individuals, they're total cowards. But when they don masks and march together, they see themselves as heroes. Group bonding literally boosts oxytocin levels higher than uh, the boost caused by alcohol or even cocaine. Today's guest is fascinating, and I urge you to read his book. He is a, a Belgian clinical psychologist with a background in statistics, the kind of Belgian Gen X Jordan Peterson, if you will. I discovered the book recently. It's the psychology of totalitarianism. It is eye opening. You ever wondered how what was happening in Germany uh, happened? How you convince all those people of madness? It's happening again. Totalitarianism is on the rise and that is different than authoritarianism. He explains it with a theory that he calls mass formation. The idea came to him during the covid-19 lockdowns. He watched governments and news outlets pushing bad information in order to justify a dystopian new world. And he watched his people believed it. Then in December 2021, a guy named Dr. Robert Malone went on Joe Rogan's podcast and mentioned a theory called, you guessed it, mass formation that episode exploded people lost their minds neil young says i i just can't i can't rock in the free world anymore and the media rushed to discredit today's guest all over the world the theory of mass formation oh it's just a conspiracy theory i want you to listen and see if this sounds like logic or a conspiracy theory it's really kind of funny um the witch hunt didn't eradicate the theory of mass formation. Instead, the, historia shown, uh, the uh, hysteria shown by the media and big tech actually proves that mass formation is a very real threat. You will understand your world and what you have to do probably better than anything I have heard yet. And it's today's podcast with Matthias Desmond. All right, before we get into it, man, you're going to love this interview. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about advancement in science and medical, Um, your progressive glasses. Have you been told to go home and just get used to your progressives? That's why I use Rodenstock glasses from Better Spectacles now. Better Spectacles is a conservative American company who is now exclusively offering Rodenstock eyewear for the first time in America. Rodenstock is a 144 year old German company, uh, been considered one of the gold standards for glasses forever. Rodenstock scientists use biometric research to measure the eye in over 7000 points. They've taken the findings from over a million patients and combined it with artificial intelligence. And the result is biometric intelligent glasses or big glasses which gives you a seamless natural experience that works perfectly with your brain it improves your vision sharpness at all distances including up to 40 percent better at near and intermediate distance as well as providing you with better night vision 98 percent of the people who have these glasses recommend them i have them i recommend them betterspectacles.com slash beck schedule a teleoptical appointment now you don't even have to leave the comfort of your own home offering an introductory 61% off their progressive eyewear plus free handcrafted rodenstock frames so don't settle get them now visit betterspectacles.com/beck that's betterspectacles.com/beck and while we're here talking about um uh, science and technology helping things um let me tell you about preborn Preborn is this organization that we have partnered with that is helping save babies from the slaughter of abortion, and the way they do it is by bringing in um, new new technology, and it's not really even new, but it's something that uh, everybody on the left seems to want to avoid, and that is an ultrasound. And um, we have partnered with them because we want to buy more ultrasounds. Uh, we have. Um, we have pledged to help rescue 50,000 babies. So that's when somebody comes into a pregnancy center and she's like, I think I want to have an abortion. They're saying oh, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, have the abortion, but let's just check on the child, not a fetus a child. And they do an ultrasound. And when the mom sees the ultrasound, hears the heartbeat for the first time. She's 80 percent more likely to choose life. These people are up against all odds. People who have been who have been prayerfully, with a song in their heart, standing in front of abortion clinics are under siege with the FBI. Please, can you help? There's nothing better than serving. And this is a great way to serve. Will you help rescue some babies' lives? Donate pound 250. Just dial pound 250 to donate. Say the keyword Baby pound 250 keyword baby or check it out yourself online at preborn.com slash glenn matthias how are you sir hi i have been uh i've been waiting for this interview for weeks i think you have Um, A theory that is one of the most important things to be discussed in the world today, because I think it's happening all over the world, or at least in the West. Can you can you explain quickly um, what that theory is? I will try to. I
1: explain it in, in detail in my book, uh, The Psychology of Totalitarianism. Uh, but, uh, well, you know, when the corona crisis started, I, so I'm a clinical psychologist, a professor in clinical psychology, but I am also uh, a master, in, I also have a master in statistics. And when the corona crisis started, I started to study the statistics a little bit and the mathematical models that were used. And then um, uh, I noticed immediately that the models seemed to, dramatically overrate the dangerousness of the virus and that they also didn't take into account the extreme amounts of collateral damage that emerged in the Mm -hmm. uh, as a consequence of the measures and like after a few months by the end of may 2020 i had the impression that uh, that it was proven beyond doubt that the initial models and statistics uh, overrated dramatically the dangerousness of the virus so at that moment Um, uh, the mathematical models of Imperial College, for instance, had predicted that by the end of May 2020, about 80,000 people would die in a small country such as Sweden if the country didn't go into lockdown. And the country didn't go into lockdown, and only 6,000 people died in Sweden. So, and that was the moment when I started to think about something else. How is it possible that an entire population um, uh, fails to see that the narrative they, are, they believe in is utterly absurd and blatantly wrong. And it reminded me of, uh, of, of uh, the theories on mass formation. The mass formation is a specific kind of group formation, which uh, has very specific effects at the level of the individual mental functioning. Uh, for instance, it tends to make individuals completely blind for everything that goes against what the group believe in, even if what the group believes in is radically absurd and blatantly wrong. Right, And... Uh, Yes. And so second,
0: this, also, correct- hang on just a second. Is this because one of my favorite books is um, The Extraordinary Popular Delusions. Um, uh, you know, The Madness of Crowds. I think it was written in, I don't yes. even know, long, 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 long time ago. Uh, and is this the same thing? Yes, it's, it's related to this.
1: Yes, uh, that, that book also is all about a uh, mass formation. Yes. Yes, okay. it is. So, it, it, it has several, uh, mass formation has several specific effects at the level of individual mental functioning. It, it for instance, also makes people willing to radically self sacrifice. Very strange. It is as if people lose every awareness of their individual personal interests. And thirdly, also important, is that mass formation makes individuals radically intolerant for dissonant voices, for mm-hmm. people who do not go along with the masses, to the extent that after a while, Uh, people in mass formation start to believe that it is their ethical duty to stigmatize, exclude, and in the end, eliminate
0: everyone who doesn't go along with the masses. Um, This is what we saw before. You know, we've seen this in the 1930s and 40s in Germany. And I've always wondered, how do you get really brilliant people to go down this road where they are exterminating people? and they think that it's the right thing it's something that it would not have been um, uh, natural or normal to think just 10 years prior to that how did you do that and i'm i'm looking at today's yes. society and i'm thinking this is how you do it and i i no. don't i don't know if you know in, in reading your book it's it's not a conspiracy theory it's not Being pushed, but there are players that are uh, that add to this, right?
1: Yeah, of course. You have to distinguish between, on the one hand, the elite and the masses themselves. Um, You know, the phenomenon of mass formation has existed as long as mankind exists, but for one reason or another, it became increasingly strong throughout the last few centuries. And that has everything to do with the emergence of the so called mechanist view on man in the world the the what view man the mechanist view on man in the world so the belief that the entire universe is a kind of a material system which can be perfectly rationally understood controlled and manipulated Mm -hmm. this view of man in the world on the one hand created a new elite a new elite which started, with, which tried to understand psychological processes that are going on uh, in society, and which tries to uh, to control and manipulate these processes through indoctrination and propaganda. Okay. So that's one important evolution throughout the last few centuries. The elite changed. It's no longer an elite that um, uses power in an overt way. It's an elite that uses it in a hidden way through yeah. indoctrination and propaganda. And the second extremely important thing is that this mechanist view on the man, on man and the world. Through industrialization, mechanization, and technology use, disconnected people from their natural and social environment, put them in a lonely state, confronted them with experiences of lack of meaning making, Mm. and in the end, confronted them with so-called free-floating anxiety, frustration, and aggression. So, throughout the last few hundred centuries, this increased more and more and more. And when these conditions are met, when people feel lonely, disconnected, uh, struggle with lack of meaning making, and that free-floating anxiety, frustration, and aggression, that means a kind of anxiety, frustration, and aggression, which they cannot connect to a mental representation. So, anxiety, frustration, and aggression in which people don't know what they feel anxious, frustrated, and aggressive for. Under these conditions, something very specific might happen. When, under these conditions, a narrative is distributed through the mass media, indicating an object of anxiety and a strategy to deal with that object of anxiety, all this free floating anxiety might connect to the object of anxiety. And there might be a huge willingness in the population to participate in the strategy to deal with the object of anxiety, simply because it gives people the feeling that they are in control of their anxiety. Mm -hmm. When you're anxious and you don't know what you feel anxious for, you feel completely out of control. But if you start to believe that your anxiety is caused by something, no matter whether it is, whether it is true or not, and that there is a strategy to deal with that something, then you have a, an experience of control. You feel in control again. And also, you have an object to direct all your frustration and aggression on. So that's the first psychological advantage, the first step of mass formation, with the first psychological advantage of mass formation. And then a the second step, something even more important happens. Because so many people participate in a strategy, for instance, the lockdowns, but it could also be the concentration camps or the mm-hmm. crusades or the witch. Because so many people participate in the strategy to deal with the object of anxiety. They have the feeling to fight a collective heroic battle with the object of anxiety. And they feel connected again. The loneliness disappears. And they have a feeling of a new sense-making again. You could say, of course... What's the problem? People felt lonely, and now they feel connected again. Right. They were confronted with a lack of meaning-making, and now they have the feeling that their life makes sense again. And they felt out of control about their anxiety, and now they feel in control again. So what's the problem? Well, there is a problem. First, there always has to be a scapegoat at whom all this frustration and aggression can be directed, and also, even more important, this new social bond, this new connectedness, is not a social bond between individuals. It's always a social bond between the individual, between each individual separately and the collective, meaning that in a mass, the famous citizenship, the famous solidarity that is so typical for mass formation is never a solidarity between individuals. It's always a solidarity between the individual and the collective, Mm. meaning that, and it is even the case, that the longer the mass formation exists, lasts, the more all solidarity and love is sucked away from the bonds between the individuals and injected in the bond between the individual and the collective. And that makes that in the end solidarity with the collective is much bigger than a solidarity with other individuals leading to the famous paranoid state in totalitarian systems where every individual is willing to snitch on every other individual right. to report every other individual to the state. If they have the feeling that this other individual is not show, doesn't show enough solidarity to the collective. In the end, this leads typically, I've been talking with this woman, Shorey Fishtali, who lived in Iran during the revolution there, which was a huge scale process of mass formation. And she told me how she has seen how a mother reported her son to the state and how this mother hung the noose around his neck when he was on the scaffold. And when he was hung, she claimed to be a heroine for doing what she did. That... Is a dramatic end stage of formation. That's what we have
0: to avoid. That it goes to this end stage. We are. We, only- we are seeing uh, things, however, being pushed in that direction. We have leadership mm-hmm. here in the United States that is is pushing and saying, "If you voted this way, you are the problem." I mean, it, it is. I am, I'm. I'm self-educated guy on world war II and you know the holocaust um uh, but it is very much the same kind of words that came from goebbels and and the the party back then you you um identify a group and then you isolate them and you pour everything into that and it is something we haven't seen here in america uh for a very long time
1: yes indeed well it's it's a, a real you know there is a lot of massification in society that are the is the pre stage of mass formation but the real mass formation is rather rare a large-scale mass formation is the first time that you are confronted with a worldwide mass formation by the way this is and the real mass formation is rather rare right? Yes. so it's a, a mass formation is actually is actually a kind of is, is mass hypnosis it's exactly the same the mechanism is exactly the same um, uh, in a hypnosis, all the attention of someone is sucked away from the environment and focused on one small aspect of reality. And consequently, the rest of reality seems to disappear. And this is an extremely strong uh, mechanism. When someone is under hypnosis, you can perfectly perform uh, a surgical operation on that person. You won't notice it. Um, and uh, so that that's just an illustration of the strength of the mechanism of this focusing of attention, which also happens in a... Uh, in, um, um, Uh, In a mass formation. And that's the reason why people are not aware anymore that they lose everything, that they lose their health, their wealth, the future of their children and so on and so on. Um, And as soon as you understand uh, that the mechanism of mass formation is identical to the mechanism of hypnosis, you also understand that mass formation is something that is provoked by the voice, the voice of a leader. And that's why totalitarian leaders, whose system is always based on mass formation, in contrast with classical dictatorships, which is not based on mass formation, that's the reason why totalitarian leaders intuitively use their voice. They constantly use indoctrination propaganda rather than terror. They also use terror in the first place they use indoctrination propaganda because in that way, they keep the population in the state that is necessary to continue the totalitarian state uh, to uh, to continue the totalitarian, the totalitarian state. So as soon as you understand that, you also understand that the most important um, method, m- weapon we have against mass formation is our own voice, the dissonant voice. We have mm-hmm. to continue to speak out. We have to continue to speak out because history, you can understand that in a psychological, technical way. But history has also shown us that it is exactly at the moment the dissonant voice stops to speak out in public space that the totalitarian system goes completely crazy and starts to
0: destroy everyone that doesn't go along with them. This is what Solzhenitsyn taught us in his last essay to the Russian people. They lose yep. all their power once you simply refuse to buy into the lie. But yep. how do you get there? Because there are so many people that are buying into the lie.
1: Yes, yes. Um, uh, that's the problem. So, uh, you know, first you have to understand, well, uh, Gustave Lebon mentioned already in the 19th century, uh, he's a famous psychologist who wrote mm-hmm. a lot about masses. And he uh, he mentioned already in the in the in the 19th century that if a mass emerges in a society, there always is a group that doesn't fall prey to the mass formation. It, this group typically tries to wake up the other people. They, they why just why do try they to not? Show them,
0: like, why are they not prey? Why are they not prey to this hypnosis? It's very hard to say. There is always a group that doesn't fall
1: prey to it, and this mm-hmm. group is always extremely heterogeneous. It's that has been remarked time and time again. Hmm. It's probably some people who, for one reason or another, uh, yeah, uh, are not very, or, or prefer to stick to what they consider uh, something true and sincere, rather than to take the easy way and go along with the, with the group they belong to in their thinking and in their mental functioning. Um,
0: I had a yeah. woman. I had a woman who saved a bunch of Jews in uh, the Holocaust. She lived in Poland, and she told me once that that uh, the people who did that they weren't they weren't heroes they didn't have to be a superhero they just remembered what was true and what was right and they just said it and did it and i didn't understand that really until now Mm then it's you don't have to be courageous you just somehow or another haven't forgotten what you've always known to be true yes indeed
1: yeah You have to, sometimes it takes some courage to speak out. We Mm -hmm. all have to continue to do so because it's dramatic when we stop to do so. Like that happened in 1930 in the Soviet Union and around 1935 in Nazi Germany. Then the opposition stopped to speak out. And within a a few months to one year, uh, the the system went crazy and and started the destruction campaigns. So uh, it's just because at that moment, uh, the, the hypnotic state or the mass formation becomes complete And everyone who doesn't go along with it is considered to be someone who should be destroyed. Um, So uh, that's an
0: extremely important thing. And we have to continue to speak out. Have you ever walked into somebody's house and it smells like dog or worse cat? Smells like food and not good food, food that's been like hanging in the air for a while. Oh my God, it's so horrible, I hate it. Um, And then, you know, people will try to cover it with candles yankee candles comes to mind um and it just covers it and then it becomes artificial and um, I, I don't know just it covers it uh, you, you, what you need is real clean pure air and that can come from the eden pure thunderstorm air purifier i have to tell you um i've had air purifiers air filters over my life this is not your garden variety This thing uses powerful O3 molecules that hunt odors down and destroy them. And it is amazing. They also kill viruses, mold and so much more. And they get to all of the places you normally can't reach behind and under furniture, for instance. So you're getting clean, fresh smelling air all the time. It's not covering anything. It is actually removing the odor. It's really remarkable, really, truly remarkable. I have a couple and I think I have three in my house uh, and then I have one in my refrigerator. Forget the arm and hammer. This, I mean, you don't smell anything in your refrigerator. Nothing. It is incredible. Save $200 on the Eden Pure Thunderstorm 3-pack for whole home protection. You get three units for under $200. It's an amazing deal, um, and it'll keep your house your house smelling really, really good. So go to EdenPureDeals.com. Use the discount code GLEN3. Now, one other thing I want to talk to you about, and that is relief factor, which is, plays a big role in my time at home. I've been I just told the audience uh, on radio today that I'm painting a painting of Corey Ten Boom and uh, and her sister at the moment. And they're in the concentration camp and she's so filled with joy. And Corey's looking at her like, "Okay, I think you're nuts. Um, And I probably have about 150 hours in this thing. Um, It's it's the most complex painting I've ever done. There is no way. I could have put an hour into painting without relief factor. Five years ago, I couldn't do this. I couldn't do this without my hand going into cramps. And I certainly couldn't paint. My hand would go into cramps. I don't have that problem anymore. Relief factor. I got my life back. Please. I didn't think it would work for me. And maybe it won't work for you. 70% of the people who try it go on to order more. Maybe you're part of that 70% like I am. Please go to relieffactor.com relieffactor.com and get your life back. You know, I I I've, I've read your book and I, and I just I just think it's brilliant. Um, but I am not sure, you know, I know everybody's pegging you as uh, uh, I think a puppet of the right which I've read your book. I don't know if you're right or left. Um, I don't know if I agree with everything uh, that you write, but Uh, It should be discussed. I I take it that you are warning against uh, authoritarianism um, Mm -hmm. because that is the final stage of this history shows that to be true. Uh, What is the first of all, what is the difference between totalitarianism and authoritarianism?
1: Well, I think authoritarianism, of course, it it depends from author to author. Some people define it in this way, other people in another way. But for me, it is clear that Authoritarianism is something that is related to uh, classical dictatorships. It just means someone who, in one way or another, succeeds in imposing his will, his social contract unilaterally to society. But totalitarianism is something completely different. Totalitarianism is a specific state system which is based on mass formation. And mass formation, because a totalitarian state starts always with the emergence of a mass, a mass which can be Artificially created by certain leaders who Mm -hmm. use indoctrination and propaganda to use the mass formation or mass, which can in in the first initially uh, emerge in a spontaneous way and only after a while uh, be influenced by indoctrination and propaganda. So like in the Soviet Union, the mass formation was artificially created from the beginning. In Nazi Germany, the mass formation first emerged more or less spontaneously and then certain mm-hmm. leaders of the masses started to use indo- indoctrination propaganda to manipulate the masses and to use them to seize power of society. And that is exactly what the core and essence of
0: totalitarianism is. Okay, so totalitarian- uh, or do you believe that that is the road we are on now? Because I, 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 I don't think that this has been... Um, orchestrated as a grand plan from the very beginning um you know i i I got into trouble the people called me a conspiracy theorist which they're now calling you conspiracy theorist um because i said you know back in uh 2005 that you're going to have socialists um uh anarchists and islamists working together to overthrow the west and i was very careful to say not that they're calling each other or having star chamber meetings, but there comes a time when everyone sees, oh, my gosh, it's going this way and I see what they're doing and that helps my cause. So I'm doing that, too. And that's not a conspiracy theory. A conspiracy no. is a, a star chamber. Correct. And that's mm. not this.
1: You know, I think it's an emergent phenomenon. There are many factors that... uh reinforce each other that, yes. that, that, that 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 lead to us to the emergence of a certain phenomenon of course there is always a, a certain conspiracy dimension I think and it can be quite important and there is and there is always a set of institutions who push their ideologies that's Correct. what institutions do right we have in the, the, indeed these people who have this idea that we need a great reset we have these people who believe that society should be changed and that's I, I think very very real we have this transhumanist ideal mm-hmm. uh, s- certain institutions who believe that the entire society should be reshaped according to a transhumanist ideal that's also very typical for totalitarianism it always tries to create a completely new society Mm -hmm. an artificial society which will be a paradise for the human being once Uh, it is full-fledged but which in the end always turns out to be a hell so there is an elite an elite who pushes a certain ideology but it would be a fatal mistake to reduce everything to that elite to believe that as Solzhenitsyn said uh, he said, "It would be easy to believe that uh, the dividing line between good and evil runs through hum- uh, between between human beings, and yeah. that there is a small group with pure evil and all the rest that is good." But he said, "We all know that the dividing line between good and evil runs through every human being's heart." Correct. You can say that the elite is the elite because the population made them the elite. Right. Because the population was sensitive for let, their discourse. So, me, and that's go ahead, go ahead, finish. I said that's the 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 risk of too extreme conspiracy thinking that we start to believe that all evil is situated in the elite and that the Correct. only solution is an insurrection or a, a violent revolution against the elite in order in order to destroy the elite and that always leads to exactly the opposite
0: so I've talked to people all over the world and Um, I think the average person feels the same way. And I've looked at this as a good thing, um, because I think all of our leadership, they have, you know, with the banks and the governments and uh, World Economic Forum and all of them, they're all pushing for bigger. Statist kind of uh, uh, of goals, uh, where the elites do take control of everything because they just think they know better, and I'm talking to people mm-hmm. around the world, and they all say it's not our it's not our left or right that is the problem that we are arguing over here in America. It's not the Republicans and the Democrats. It's the people being separated from the decisions by the elites, and they're not just mm-hmm. it's global is that do you believe that to be true healthy detrimental what is that well um you know i think
1: that's something very important to understand about the elite is that the elite is usually hypnotized as well that's something crucial Mm -hmm. i think that um, the elite is hypnotized not by the narratives they use, but by their ideology. So they fanatically and blindly believe in their ideology. Correct. That's very strange. They blindly believe that transhumanism is the only solution to the problems we are seeing, that transhumanism will bring the human being in a godlike state and in a kind of paradise. In the end, they believe so. And of course, they believe that the first who will arrive in this godlike state and is a godlike state will be themselves. Mm -hmm. But uh, they, they do believe in their own ideology so fanatically that they believe it is justified to cheat and manipulate everyone and everything in order to convince them to go along with their plans. So I think this is something crucial to understand. And if you understand that, you also understand that the dissonant voice does not only have an impact on the population, but also on the leaders. And that we have to continue to speak to the leaders or to, right. to speak out in public space, right. because also they are
0: influenced. Um, so like the farmers, um, you know, over in uh, uh, the Netherlands that are, are protesting, or the Brexit people that were protesting, um, they're not necessarily calling for revolution. They're calling for common sense in many in many ways. Um, at least the farmers are for sure, calling for common sense. Um, and the governments and the media done everything they can to make these people either invisible or into mm. lunatics.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's also, strangely enough, what the masses really start to believe of these people who do not agree with them, that they must be lunatics. And masses are so absorbed by this, their own absurd logic, which is very hard to contradict because their, their, their uh, uh, focus of attention is so much narrowed down to a small aspect of reality that they don't see things anymore that go against their own absurd logic so but they are so convinced that they are the only ones who thinks logically
0: that they believe that the other have, people who do not go along with them must be completely stupid have you th- have you thought of first cause what started this ball rolling this time i mean it, was it natural was it is it the media is it politics debt what what started this ball and when do you think people knowingly started to jump onto the wagon, if you think anybody did? Well, it's it's simple, I think. It's the, 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 the global
1: institutions who have these ideological plans, who, who, who for a long time already wanted to replace uh, democracy by a technocratic system where experts uh, make the decisions also at the level of private life. Hmm. Uh, and then there is, a, on the other hand, there is a population who starts to become more and more sensitive for, the pro- for propaganda and indoctrination because they feel disconnected, lack of meaning making hmm. and so on. Uh, and then um, uh, suddenly uh, these this propaganda that is distributed or these propaganda it's just these institutions who push their ideological uh, convictions through the mass media in, in all kinds of ways suddenly start to start to have this enormous effect of a mass formation and and, and, and then um, uh, we are in the beginning once that happened happens, we have the basic mechanism of a totalitarian state. We have this diabolic pact between the elite and the masses. That's what Hannah Arendt said. Totalitarianism, that's extremely interesting. There's always a diabolic pact between the masses and the readers. That's what I explain in my book. I- what my book is all about. And once that emerges, you have a, an extremely destructive system like a classical dictatorship can control public space and the political space. But a totalitarian state can also control private space. Yes. Sim- simply because they have a huge secret police at their disposal. This People. part of the population. Right. Which is which fanatically believes, which is in the mass formation and fanatically believes in the state narrative and which is willing to report everyone to the state, even their own family members members
0: if they do not go along. So, how far away are we from that, do you believe? Of people snitching on each other? Well,
1: we are not there yet and maybe we will never get there yet, but it will get a little bit worse, I think, in the years to come. Uh, But we just have to remind that no matter what happens, we have to continue to speak out, to stay true to the principles of humanity because, you know, well, That's another story. But the root cause of all these problems is this mechanist, rationalist, fuel man in the world. A lack of empathy. A lack of empathy, of course. In a rationalist, fuel man in the world, everything is reduced to rational understanding. And in this way, that's what I explain in the first five chapters of my book. Automatically, when you try to reduce everything around you, the entire mystery of life, to the categories of your own logical, rational thinking you isolate yourself from the mystery of life and you do not resonate anymore you have no empathic connection anymore with the world around you and that's exactly the problem when you ha- when you have no exa- empathic connection anymore with the world around you you also lose c- touch with the eternal principles of humanity mm-hmm. and that's the reason why uh, in the end there is a cold rational ideology which seizes control of society in every totalitarianism and which pushes relentlessly a certain logic which is always absurd and in the end completely irrational which pushes that logic relentlessly and which dehumanizes society completely and the people who do not go along with that system who refuse to go along have to do exactly the opposite They have to stay true to the principles of humanity. In the first place, the the ethical duty to articulate the words that seem sincere and honest to you in public space. They have to stay true to these principles of humanity, no matter what happens and no matter what they lose. No matter what we lose, we must be sure that we don't lose the only thing that is really important
0: and that is our humanity. So let me wrap up here with with this. Um, that i believe is why gandhi worked martin luther king worked jesus worked um because they connected with humanity however bonhoeffer in his writings he kept saying i have to talk to mr gandhi i'm doing something wrong no it was happening at the same time but the uk had not closed that heart yet uh where the germans had already the christians the judeo-christian values had been shut up Um, And it was it was a different world. Uh, Yes. If we have to. um, Is it too late? And when you get to the point to where you have to make a decision of sacrificing yourself, you know, for what you believe in or go to jail or whatever it is. Why didn't why didn't that work in Europe in the 1930s? Well,
1: that's a good question, but it seems that uh, in Europe and the Soviet Union, the resistance decided to stop to speak out in public space because they thought that they were dealing with a classical dictatorship. And in a classical dictatorship, it sometimes makes sense to stop to speak out in public space, but not in a totalitarian state, because mm. a totalitarian state is based on mass formation, and the mass formation will become increasingly They'll be, become stronger and stronger. So, um,
0: um, um, even yeah. more dangerous. So
1: that's the most elementary principle, and it doesn't mean that this will. Uh, that we will not, uh, uh, that we might not lose something. If we continue to speak out, we might lose a lot. But the better you understand the mechanism, the more you see that we have no other option. Yes. If you stop to speak out, even if you conform to the totalitarian system, you might be destroyed by it. There is a very good yes. chance a totalitarian yes. state in the end always becomes a monster that devours its own children. That's what Hannah Arendt said. And it is like that. The masses in the end always devour their own children. So... Um, the better you understand it, the more you see, even from a purely strategical point of view, that we have no other option. And if you consider it from an ethical point of view, we definitely have no other option. And if we choose to stick to the ethical principles of humanity, then, then everything will start to make sense. Then we will see that what happens now is a process in which something new is born. Because That's what happens typically in totalitarian states. The people who do not go along with them, for instance, for instance, in the concentration camps, as as it was described by people as Viktor Frankl and Solzhenitsyn, there was always a small minority. The most prisoners started to behave in a completely beast-like manner. But there was always a small minority who refused to do so and who and who started to realize the extremely extreme importance of ethical principles for a human being, and who became more and more loyal to these principles while they were in this pool of darkness. And these people went in a very fast way to a process of mental and spiritual evolution, to the extent that Solzhenitsyn describes certain people, for instance, Ivanovich Grigoriev, I think, I referred to him in the last part of my book, the last uh, chapter of my book, was a sickly person when he entered the gulags. And while most people died in a few months in the gulags, he survived. And Solzhenitsyn, Solzhenitsyn said it was because he refused to do anything unethical. If the guards commanded him to do something unethical, he refused to do so, no matter what the punishment was. And if other prisoners, stole his food and his clothes. He didn't steal food or clothes back. He preferred to go outside working in temperatures of minus 40 degrees Celsius, Celsius, clothing only in a a, a bag or something, uh, rather than stealing clothes himself. And he said, Solzhenitsyn said, I've seen how this person became stronger and stronger and stronger, both at the mental and the physical level. Mm. And so that's what you have to realize. If we make the right choice, if we decide to go through this with our ethical principles, then we will, in one way or another, receive a certain strength for it in return. A strength which is more important than everything you might lose. So we don't have to focus too much on trying to predict what will happen and what we have to do. We have to focus on one thing. On our ethical principles and to make sure that we stay true to them throughout this process that's the most important thing I think
0: i believe i have to tell you if uh this makes you a dangerous radical we are in real trouble because i haven't heard anything that uh a real servant of god would have said you know what i mean you're you're not preaching you're preaching common sense and common decency to one another Um, and the machine is trying to devour you right now. And I will keep you in my prayers. And, uh, if there's any way we can ever help you, sir, you, you let us know. I, I, uh, I have such respect for people who are taking a courageous stand right now because it will cost you your career. It'll cost you. The price is very, very high. Um, it's not the ultimate price yet, but, um, if you're right and we don't stop this, it will be in the end and uh, mm-hmm. you will So be we know what that. we have we know what we have
1: to do if you want to uh, to read an answer to the uh, to the all the criticism uh, in the media directed at me then you can read my last substack that i mm-hmm. posted yesterday uh 7 page substack when i address all the criticism yes. uh, so if you if people are interested they can they can read it there
0: uh. May I just say before you log out, um, sincerely, sincerely for my family and for so many millions of Americans that uh, listen to me all the time. Sincerely, thank you. Um, It is. It is a um, it's a godsend and uh, it is it's it's helping people understand what's what's happening right now so thank you sincerely thank you thank you very much you bet thank you very much for your kind words and also for
1: uh, continuing to continuing to speak out yourself as well we will all continue in a quiet way and in the end we can be sure that after the
0: dark night there will be a new morning I, I remember 25, 30 years ago reading Immanuel Kant's quote where he said, there are many things I believe that I shall never say, but I shall never say the things that I do not believe. And, uh, and I remember thinking at that time, I don't even understand that world. I don't even understand that. What is life like? And we're here. We're here. And uh, it's amazing. God bless you. Thank you. Anything we can do to help. God bless. God bless. Thank you very much. You bet. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Just a reminder, I'd love you to rate and subscribe to the podcast and pass this on to a friend so it can be discovered by other people.